0: Hi, and welcome to the Sales Enablement Pro podcast. I am Shana Simawang. Sales enablement is a constantly evolving space, and we're here to help professionals stay up to date on the latest trends and best practices so they can be more effective in their jobs. In this episode, we're chatting with Paul Butterfield, the head of Global Sales Enablement at Vonage. Paul is a proven sales and sales enablement leader who's passionate about helping sales teams differentiate the companies they represent and themselves by how they sell, so let's dive in. Paul, one of the things that you mentioned when you were on a panel at the sales enablement soiree was around alignment. How do you make sure that you are aligning core messaging to what a lot of us are thinking of as the modern buyer? Because nowadays, modern buyers don't want canned messaging from their sales reps. How can enablement step in and really ensure that the things they're getting from marketing to sales reps are actually resonating with modern buyers?
1: You know, as a... a... Partner of the product marketing team, and and here at least, it's one of our, our our VP of product marketing and I have for a year now viewed our teams as extensions of one another. So, and I think that you need a relationship close to that to be successful in sales enablement. Otherwise, marketing is doing what they do in silos. So for example, I'm out teaching an outcome-based sales methodology and telling reps how to go in and hold executive level conversations about business challenges and results and outcomes. And marketing is creating a bunch of data sheets with features, right? <laughs> so so to avoid that kind of disconnect is why you need that kind of partnership. We're very lucky to have it here. Our product marketing team also thinks about product. And most of our product team thinks about product in terms of what problems does it solve, not features. Um, and so that's part of it right there is building that relationship. And hopefully you've got marketers that are, open to that if that's not how they're already approaching it but I think if my experience if they understand how you're teaching the reps to sell how you're teaching them to differentiate by how they sell because I mean everybody every every think tank for years now a few years have been saying brand is going away it's customer experience absolutely customer experience and in our world frankly it's customer experience and it's employee experience business communication software platforms that customers buy from us have a lot uh, can improve their employee sat as well and so um so getting back to so with marketing if they understand that that's how we're differentiating that's how we're teaching um then then usually you can work with them to have the materials aligned to that type of process like i say here it hasn't been very difficult um and and in fact i've just been lucky maybe i've worked with marketers the whole time i've been in sales enablement who get that I remember when I was um, at in Contact, which is where I did, took my search, moved into that first sales enablement role. Our VP of um, uh, product marketing had a sign up in their area, that big sign that said, "How will sales use this?" Right, which which tells you right away how she was how how she was viewing viewing uh, what they did. So I don't know if that gets to the heart of your question, but but that's what I think it is. It's communication, it's partnership, and it's um, just just helping them understand why sales, is, assume you have a sales methodology. Now, if you don't, it's probably a little bit tougher. But
2: That is true. That is true. Beyond marketing, what are some of the other departments that sales enablement um, means to have really close collaboration and alignment with? And, and how have you gone about building those relationships as well?
1: Sure. Um, from a collaborative standpoint, I look at it as a triad. Product, product marketing, sales enablement that need to work very closely together because typically the product group is providing the insights, the timeline, and the data, if you will, the content. Product marketing is going to take that and with sales enablement, figure out what are the right tools. So, so from sales enablement side, we're looking at how do we deliver it? Is it a podcast? Is it a full-blown LMS module? Is it sales meeting sessions? Whatever, right? So we're figuring that out And meanwhile, they're developing, uh, taking that content and turning it into the right deliverables that then we take to the sales teams together. We very often will uh, do new product launch trainings, that sort of thing, with someone from my team and someone from the product marketing team. Um, So uh, the product team will sometimes participate as well, but that's the triad that I look for. Now, in some organizations, more and more of the organizations, according to CSO Insights, uh, our sales enablement reports to a senior sales leader rather than a sales ops leader. We, I happen to report to our senior VP of revenue ops who also happens to have a passion for sales enablement and has had sales name report to him and other companies. So it works really well for us. But if I were reporting to a senior sales leader, sales ops would be a fourth critical relationship that I would want to have my team building out. We just happen, it just happens to work because we're, 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 uh, peers with, with those teams. So
2: absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I don't want to spend too much time talking about technology, but since you raised the sales operations, it, um, partnership, um, mm-hmm. I am curious from your op- opinion, what of the sales tech stack does enablement own versus sales operations in your opinion?
1: Again, that gets a little muddy for us because we all are one team or we roll up to the same, uh, you know, senior VP. And I'm trying to think about that for a second. So how are you defining owning, Shauna? Is it the decision-making process? Is it the administration and renewals? That's a good
2: question. That is a good question. Um, yeah. I think let's, let's, let's focus most on, on decision-making. I think um,
1: okay.
2: has to do the implementation and, and ownership of it, maintenance of it from that point on is, yeah. is a story.
1: Then I see that as it, it, it is jointly owned what I've done in the time I was here as I started to identify tools that we needed for prospecting and that sort of thing, um, and social selling, right? Uh, then, then I was in the, I was on the front end of that. I was making the recommendations. I was negotiating with companies like zoom info, LinkedIn, et cetera, to get these things in place. But then I was also dependent on them to help roll it out, train and that sort of thing until we could get internal training capabilities up to speed. Um, now, once that was done, then it was handed off to my counterparts that actually do the sales ops tools, like Salesforce. The team, same team that administers Salesforce, for example, and operations, administers these other tools. And things that have nothing to do with sales enablement as well. Uh, for example, um, exactly, and then things like that. And so they're, they're, they're tracking with HR who's coming, who's going, they're, they're moving the licenses as needed. They're making sure we have enough licenses in advance and that kind of thing. But that front end decision making, I, I really feel like a sales enablement or sales enablement and marketing and ops together it depends on the tool. Um, so, so, for example, social selling, that was something that we we're bringing new to Vonage at the time. And so there's really a, you know, only one big gorilla player in that market that you would start with and and so that was a fairly easy choice it was just a matter of figuring out the best way to go about it uh with other things we've done like data scraping tools uh then there was you know, there was more that we'd want to research and spend time on and if it's going to touch salesforce then it gets involved as well and one of the things we're doing is trying to push more and more of what our reps um we providing for them right into salesforce um so yeah, they definitely own it at that point as well. Uh, so I don't know, is that, does that get at what you're yeah, – I, I don't know if it's a clean line, I think, is what I'm saying. I think it depends on the nature of the tool. If I'm looking at content management that I've identified or my team's identified we need, that's something I'd have to make a decision on along with our um, product marketing team because they're creating and warehousing so much of the content. Uh, if I'm looking at, at this point where we have a digital marketing team If I were going to bring on something new in social selling and that sort of thing, I would want to partner up with them to make sure it's going to align with what their digital marketing uh, plans are uh, and that type of thing. Gotcha.
2: Um, You also had mentioned at the story um, that all of the tech that you guys use, um, you want to make sure that one of the components um, is that you're able to really track results and, and basically be able to track a return on that investment. Um, so I'd love to understand from your perspective, um, you know, kind of thinking in terms of what sales enablement is responsible for. What are some of those kind of core KPIs and metrics that you're looking at to basically turn around and say, yes, we are getting a return on on the investment areas that we're making around sales enablement?
1: I look at it in a couple of buckets. Let, let's start with, with new hire ramping. Right? So with new hire ramping, it starts with pretty basic stuff. Um, and that is are they are they passing off courses are they attending the classes they're supposed to right you really you only really can focus on activity level stuff Um, as as the weeks you know first few weeks go by then we would maybe start having them making live calls to low-scoring bombora leads things like that where they can't do too much damage but you got to start having that live interaction and and we're able to record and and do do coaching and analysis and that sort of thing but now you're able to start tracking in salesforce uh you know if they do as they find leads uh opportunity potential opportunities now you're starting to be able to look in salesforce and see and and as they're going through that first couple of months we're helping them build a pipeline and you so you're starting to measure that are they doing but still activity they doing the calls per day are they generating the right number of ops per week all of those kinds of measurements I think that's pretty standard stuff. I don't think we're doing anything revolutionary here. Some of the, t- one of the tools we're using, I'm really excited about, and I don't know if, if everybody knows about it, um, but uh, as they move into their, you know, ramping and they're up to going up to full quota, then the kinds of KPIs we look for, again, I don't think we're doing anything revolutionary here, but I want to see time to first sale almost more interesting to me is time to second sale because it's not uncommon for someone to walk into a a deal that was ready to close anyway right so what's their time to second sale? i want to understand what is their time um to full productivity and i would i would use leading indicators like i mentioned uh doing funnel analysis what is do they are they gaining the right mix of opportunities by stage and 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 the right mix and the right amount of revenue by stage in their pipeline A lot of sales organizations I've been in use a really broad number, like you need 3X revenue in your pipeline at any given time. Well, okay, but what if that whole 3X is stuck at stage one and two? That's why I, you know, I want them to get more sophisticated looking at the mix uh, by stage. Uh, So we're measuring them on that. Um, uh, And then of course, you know, full productivity, those are our leading indicators. And then when are they consistently hitting quota? Right? Maybe not 100% every month, but they're just either side of it. And so you're evening out as a fully productive rep. Again, I don't think there's anything new there. Uh, maybe somehow we're doing it is different. But, but KPIs are critical. Uh, one of the commitments that I make to our sales teams here when I'm speaking in front of them is this, that we will never ask them to do any training of any sort, if their leadership team and my team aren't convinced that it's going to make them more dangerous and more money when they get back in the field. And, and I challenge them that if we ever fall short on that, call me personally. Because coming from such a strong sales background, I can't look at it any other way. If it's not impacting the number, then we need to either dump it or revise it. But training for its own sake, not useful. And, and the KPIs are our leading indicators to, to know that we're getting there.
2: Yeah, no, that's that, that's amazing, and th- those are a lot of good things to to absolutely look at. Um, so I am curious because you already mentioned kind of one of the initiatives that you have um, for this upcoming years is, is really kind of mm-hmm. focused on the front line. Um, what are some other initiatives that um, you're doing this year that you're excited about, and why? Um, I, I'm sure a lot of other practitioners are kind of looking at the year to come and trying to trying to identify the projects that they think will have the biggest impact within their organization. So I'd love to hear what you're doing.
1: So some of the other things that we're looking at is what I'm calling mini MBA for salespeople. So for example, how many of our salespeople know how to go out and read financial documents or financial summary on a statement rather on a publicly traded company? We tell them all the time that that's a great resource, but if they didn't happen to go to B school, can they do it, right? So how do we do that? How do we... A lot of times salespeople, when you're talking about terms of service document, they immediately think, oh, we gotta go get legal involved with this. When in fact, many of, much of what's in a, a TOS document, are really more business related than legal related. So how do you, as a sales rep, understand it well enough so that you're able to address the things that you, that you can and you know what the difference is and you don't slow things down by having to go get the legal team to review and that sort of thing. So that's how I look at, like I said, um, these mini business related courses that, that help a salesperson be more successful in their job. So I'm excited about that. Uh, I'm excited about, um, let me think, so talked about that. I, I guess I'm continuing to be exciting about the sales methodology that we've chosen and have been implementing because we're seeing some really good green shoots of success coming out of last year with that. And so I, I'm anticipating that's just going to continue to build. I mean, we've had some great success stories roll in. When we had big deal reviews at sales kickoff two weeks ago, uh, a number of them were able to, uh, the, the reps that were doing the review on stage, were able to attribute specific things in the sales methodology that they help, that helped them close that opportunity either sooner or on time and that sort of thing. And so I'm excited to see more of that coming as well um trying to think out of the big things we're working on those are probably and and all this stuff we're doing for ramping it's just going to be fun it it really you know yeah
2: that yeah that sounds exciting um very cool well you know what i would love to hear from you just if there's anything that you can think of when you maybe started out in sales enablement, or maybe even more recently, that you would have loved to be able to get feedback from other sales enablement professionals on, or insights from other sales enablement professionals on. Um, I'm I'm kind of just looking for topics that will really resonate um, and help educate the market together. So if there's anything sure. top of mind, just from your perspective, I'd love to know what those are.
1: I figured this out for myself, and 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 I did, but it's advice that would have been great if somebody had had been able to give me right up front. And it's it's the first piece of advice that I would probably share with somebody getting a sales enablement. These sales teams and these sales leaders are your customers and you need to treat them in every way that you would treat an external customer. If you were still in sales or customer service and that sort of thing. Um, And, and I, like I said, I think I figured that out fairly early, but it would have been nice to have somebody kind of point that out and, and how you go about it and that sort of thing. Uh, but building on that is also to establish, it depends what background you're coming from, Shauna. So I, I came from being a peer of the sales leaders that I, I, that I was now supporting, right? So I had lived the life. I understood what it was like to live under the pressure of a quota. Yeah. And, and, and they knew that I knew that, right? But if I were coming in from another type of background into sales enablement, That is one of the first critical relationships that I would start, Um, to get to know them, to get to know what what are the barriers that they're facing uh, and and what what do they feel that they need, whether it's capabilities, training, tools, whatever it is, to overcome those barriers and then start to build my program around that. Um, Like I said, I was lucky. I had already been running a sales team in this company. I knew what our barriers were and so I was able to kind of get a running start that way, but otherwise, yeah, that's one of the first things. And then the other groups that I mentioned, get to know your product marketing leaders and teams. Get to know your product teams. We are part of our product teams, our, our product core teams. Uh, someone from my team is sitting on those core teams from the point that it makes sense. They let us know. They love having, by the way, they love having sales name involved because we're there early enough to start identifying what's going to be needed and, and, and working with them. So, so I, would, I would get those relationships in place as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think sales enablement is absolutely critical because you guys are able to really almost bring the voice and the buyer back further into
1: right. the community.
2: I mean, reps could, but they, they often don't have the, the time or bandwidth to do that. So,
1: now, um, coming from my background, one of the things that I wished I'd had a better way to get up to speed on is things like adult learning theory, right? There's a science side of sales enablement. I understand it from the sales side. I understand how those guys are wired, how they think, because I am them, right? But when I was starting to create, because of my, I was the team of one at first, and we, we built the team, but I had to figure out how to create pitch certification in, in our LMS and things like that, that I knew there was a science to it. I knew that there was adult learning stuff that I should be applying but I didn't know it. I just had to run off what I knew from, from how salespeople think. So it would be great if there was a resource for somebody coming from that kind of background to get up to speak quickly on that, other than reading books, which I did, but sometimes the books weren't useful and you don't know that until you're halfway into it, you know, that sort of thing.
0: Thanks for listening. For more insights, tips, and expertise from sales enablement leaders, visit salesenablement.pro. If there's something you'd like to share or a topic you want to know more about, let us know. We'd love to hear from you.